2: Revelation 22, 20, and 21. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Then the Bible ends with these words, The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen.
1: Welcome to The Barnabas Effect with Paul Purvis, Senior Pastor of Mission Hill Church, a multicultural, multigenerational, multiplying church focused on shining the light and love of Jesus like a city on a hill. You're invited to visit any of the three locations in Temple Terrace and Tampa. For information and locations, visit MissionHill.org. That's MissionHill.org. Now, with today's message, here's Pastor Paul Purvis.
2: It says in John eleven forty four, the man who had died came out. His hands and his feet were bound with linen strips. His face was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, listen to this, unbind him and let him go. Now, why am I telling you that? The disciples should have remembered that. When Lazarus was raised from the dead, he had been dressed like a mummy. His torso had been wrapped. His arms had been wrapped. And then separately, his head had been wrapped. And so Jesus raises us from the dead. He stands up. Can you imagine? He's like, well, creep, breathe. Somebody get this off my head. I, I can't move. Somebody. So Jesus says, take all the cloths off of him. So they're ripping. There's linen cloth everywhere. Not so when they come to Jesus' tomb. When they come to Jesus' tomb, the cloths are just laying there where the body was neatly. And the head wrap, well, it was all folded Neatly, If they would have been thinking, if they would have not been filled with their own preconceived ideas with what they thought was going to happen, they would have realized Jesus had done what he said he was going to do. But they didn't. We know that because in verse 8 it says the other disciples who had reached the tomb first went in and he saw and he believed. Now, I don't believe it's saying that John believed and understood. I think he realized, oh, yeah, he's not here. He's definitely not here. For as yet, they did not understand the Scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. And that's what a lot of us do. We come into the presence of God and we have the ability to have our lives changed forever. But we make a choice. We turn around and go back our own way. We leave what takes place in church, in our quiet time, in a concert, wherever it is that God's speaking to us. We leave it like we're leaving a crumpled bulletin on a seat. And we go back to our lives And that just tells me you can be surrounded by the miraculous and still choose the mundane. God's at work around you. Don't get stuck in the weeds. Don't miss the majesty of what God wants to do in your life. This moment, this opportunity that we get to live in, that he wants to use you for his glory. Don't get caught up in the mundane and miss the miraculous that he wants to work in your life. Look to Jesus. Look for Jesus. That's why Jesus came back so that You could look to him. The writer of Hebrews makes that clear when he describes what Jesus endured on the cross. He said, we do this, we keep on by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion. Say the champion. champion. He is the champion. Because when he died on the cross, when he was buried, when he rose from the grave, he defeated sin. He defeated death. He conquered anything that could conquer you. And that means that you are more than conquerors. We look to the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross. He disregarded the shame. And now he's seated at the place of honor with his God. That's who Jesus is. That leads me to what I really want you to understand. Jesus came back so that he could come to you. You thought you were coming to church today. You you thought you were coming to this place. But I believe... Jesus is coming to you. That's why he came back. And in this chapter, we see how he comes to several different people, and we see the difference it makes. Watch this. Mary, it says, stood weeping outside the tomb, and as she wept, she stooped, stooped to look into the tomb. Remember, she was looking for Jesus where she thought he was supposed to be rather than where he told her he would be. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, and one, hand, one in the hand and one at the feet. And they said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Now, this part, it gets me for several reasons. Number one, we usually see angels standing. And usually, the first thing they say is, time out, don't be afraid. Why do they say, don't be afraid? Well, if you saw one of those big angels standing, you and me, we would be terrified. So the angels always say, don't be afraid. But these angels were just sitting. They were waiting for this God moment. And I don't understand how this works. I don't want you to get caught up in this, but I believe the Bible. And the Bible says we live in a spiritual realm where angels and demons are at work, even in this place. And I believe there are angels all around us today waiting for the God moment that's about to happen when Jesus comes to you. I believe that's how it works. So then you have this odd question. They say, why are you weeping? I I just visited with the man on Friday. He had just He had just come from his wife's grave. He went to visit her at the grave on Good Friday. That's a challenging time usually, isn't it? It would have been a difficult time for Mary. That's a dumb question. Why are you weeping? she shows some restraint that she doesn't say, what do you mean why am I weeping? My friend died. I'm sad. I'm discouraged. But she said to them, they've taken away my Lord. I don't know where they've laid him having said this, she turned around. Say this with me. Say, she turned around. That's what takes place when you turn to Jesus. It's a turnaround. The Bible calls it repentance. You were facing this way But something, when God came to you, made you say, I need to turn around. And you turn a different direction, and you begin to see a different way, and your mind begins to think a different way, and your will begins to act a different way. She turned around, and she saw Jesus standing, but she did not know it was Jesus. And Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Why are you, whom are you seeking? She's probably tired of people asking her why she's crying at the cemetery. Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've laid him. I'll take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. There's something about the way you call a person's name. My eight year old little precious daughter was born blind, her ears are real sensitive. <laughs> Even this morning, I had to raise my voice a little bit and she came to me and she said, Dad, I prefer calm. (laughs) I said, me too, so shape up. I, I believe it was in a tender way that Jesus spoke when he said, Mary. And she recognized that voice. This is the voice of the one that had caused the demons to come out of her. This is the one that had accepted her. This is the one she had followed for three years. And he calls her name. And she says, oh, Rabboni. In this language, there's about three different words that are similarly translated rabbi, teacher, But this one specifically means master, teacher. You're the Lord. I think it's so significant that the first person that Jesus comes to after the resurrection is a lady. A lady with a questionable past. And that should let you know that there's nothing you've done. There's nowhere you've been. There's nobody you are. That would keep Jesus from calling your name. He knows you. I love that old song, chorus we used to sing. He knows my name. He knows my every thought. He sees each tear that falls and hears me when I call. That's the maker that we have. He created us. He knows us. He loves us. And he'll help you come back even from despair. And when Mary understood this, she turned to Jesus. That's what happens when you turn your eyes to Jesus. The things of this world, they grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and of his grace. And so Mary, it says, went and she announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord She told them what he had said to her, but they still didn't get it. They didn't get it. I know they didn't get it because of what's about to happen. I'm going to read it, but first let me remind you, Jesus came back so that he could come to you. He's coming to you today. Look at verse 19. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Oh, Surely that was supposed to say where the disciples were because they were so bold and tough men who believed everything. No, no, no. Here they are cowering in a locked room with fear. And Jesus came in, didn't unlock the door, didn't go through the door. I don't see him climbing through the window. He just showed up. And he'll do that in the midst of your fears when you least expect it, when you don't know how he could come in. He'll show up. Peace be with you. And he showed him his hands and his eyes. Hey, Jesus comes to you even when you have locked the doors. Hi, I'm Paul Purvis, the lead pastor of Mission Hill Church right here in Tampa Bay. Thanks for taking the time to listen to today's The Barnabas Effect. It's a ministry intended to encourage, equip, and empower you. You may not know this, but this ministry is made possible because of the generosity of listeners like you. We continue with our message. And some of you have done that. I, I see it. Forgive me, but I see it. I, I see it even when you come into a room like this. I mean, you sit here like this. I dare you to bless me. I mean, you're, you're hurt, you're hard, you've gone through life. Maybe you've got your feelings hurt, maybe even at church. And it's caused you to close the doors and even turn the bolt and say, no, I'm not interested anymore. And we have a God who comes to us even in those moments. That's just who he is. What fears are keeping you from being open to all that God wants? Is it fear of failure? Is it fear of people? Is it it fear of the future? What fears does God need to speak his peace into? The biggest obstacles in your life, there are opportunities for Jesus to show up with his peace and his presence. Just let him in. He's there. Jesus came back so he could come to you. Don't forget that. That's what this moment is about. Jesus is coming to you. Well, it comes to one more person in John 20. Let's look at it real quick. Now, Thomas, we've heard of him. One of the 12 called the twin was not with them when Jesus came, so the other disciple told him, we have seen the Lord. See, that's what happens when you truly encounter Jesus because some of you, you need to wrestle through before you leave this place, before you stop watching today, you need to wrestle through, have I ever really seen the Lord? Because when you've seen the Lord, when you've turned like Mary, when you've encountered him like the disciples did in that room, you then want to tell everyone everybody, I've seen Jesus. You're not a covert secret agent. You don't just kind of, I hope I can make it. Hope nobody finds out until I get to heaven. That's not the way it works. You want others to know, I've seen Jesus. (laughs) But Thomas... I'm kind of like Thomas. Thomas said, unless I see the hands, the mark of the nails, place my fingers in the mark of the nails, place my hand in the side, I will never believe. In other words, I dare you. I, I don't think this is true. He's got to show it to me. And that's where some of you are. I, I'm not going to follow this God. I'm not going to trust this Jesus until he does something for me. Notice what it says in verse 26, eight days later. Say eight days later. Eight days later. Eight days later He let Thomas wallow in his doubt for eight days. And he may let you hang out there. There's a lot of chapters in the book of Job. When he's going through his suffering, when he's trying to figure out where God is in the midst of pain, maybe God's going to let you hang out. His disciples were inside again. Thomas was with them. All the doors were locked again. And Jesus came and stood among them. He just came. And he said, peace be with you. Then he turned to Thomas and he said, all right, big boy, put your fingers in these hands, put your hands in this side. Let me show you who I am. Don't disbelieve anymore, but believe. And I believe Jesus is coming to some of you today. And he's saying, don't disbelieve anymore. Don't fail to trust me anymore. Don't turn away anymore. Don't, don't doubt anymore. Just believe me. Because Jesus comes to you even when you doubt. That's who he is. And that was the turning point for Thomas. Thomas says, oh, my Lord, my God. Just like Mary, just like the disciples, Thomas understood when you see Jesus for who he is, you have no choice but to take the knee and say, oh, God, you are my master. You are my Lord. You are the one I need. You are all I can cling to. You're a doubter, a skeptic. I am. Hard to trust people. I have that challenge. But your doubts don't intimidate God. Just don't let your doubts define you. Choose to believe. You see, faith doesn't mean you have to have the answer to every question, but ultimately, faith is the answer to every question. What is Jesus bringing you today? He's coming to you. And maybe you're like Mary and you just need comfort. And Maybe you're like those disciples and you're living in fear. Maybe you're like Thomas and you're full of doubt. Jesus comes he comes with all kind of gifts he comes with acceptance he comes with forgiveness he comes with faithfulness he comes with comfort he comes and he makes his presence known is anybody alive on Easter Sunday church he comes to protect us he comes to give us wisdom he comes to give us strength he comes to give us a way out from temptation he comes to answer our prayers he comes to guide us that kind of stuff excites me as a follower of Christ he comes to ease our suffering he comes to give us rest he comes To give us life. Life. That's the biggie. Because of Jesus, you can come back. Like David, you can come back from disobedience. Like Elijah, you can come back from depression. Like James and John, you can come back from dumb decisions. Like Peter, you can come back from denial. Like Mary, you can come back from despair. Like the disciples, you can come back from distress. And like Thomas, you can come back from disbelief. But this is the message of Easter. Because of Jesus, you can come back from death. Death does not get the final word. How did I begin this message? Jesus was dead. Hope was lost. The future was unclear. But today we celebrate Jesus is alive. Hope lives. The future is certain. And boy, that's comforting for me in these crazy days. It's been the most difficult year for most of our lives. Disease and death and chaos and conflict. Strained relationships, strained health, our finances are strained, and yet none of these can keep us down because of what we celebrate on this day. Jesus is alive. And this is very personal for me this year because it was just under a year ago that my hero, my pastor, that my dad, he breathed his final breath. And if I didn't believe what I'm saying to you, I would live my life in despair. But that wasn't the end. That wasn't the last time I'm going to see my dad. Because death does not get the final word. Because Jesus is alive. We can live. Jesus came back to come to you to give you life. That's the message of Easter says Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples. They're not written in this book. Think about that. We celebrate the miracles. Most of us don't even know all the miracles written in the Bible. And John says all the libraries, he goes on to say later, all the libraries in the world couldn't contain everything Jesus did just in those three years. Whatever you're facing, it doesn't limit my God. But these things are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you might have life in his name. And I just need you to know, as sure as I'm standing here with everything I've got, that's what you've got to decide today. Do I really believe that I have hope, that I have peace, that I can find comfort because I have life in the name of the Son of God? That because he's alive, I can live That because he's alive, I can face tomorrow. That because he's alive, I don't have to have fear. That because he's alive, whatever I face will be okay. See, some of you, you've never done that, even though you've kind of gone through some motions. Maybe you raised a hand or you prayed a prayer. You walked down an aisle. You were dipped or you dunked. You joined a church. You went to First Communion or Confirmation. You've been through a class, but none of it's given you anything because there's never really been a time where you did what Mary did, where you bent the knee and said, oh, you're the master. You did what Thomas said, where you say, you're the Lord. You're the boss. That's what it means to follow Jesus. That's the only right response when Jesus comes to you. And some of you, with the greatest love that I could share on Easter morning, I know you. I don't know your soul. I can't know that for another person. But you've gone through a lot of the motions. And you've professed Christ, but your life is not testifying that he lives in you. Come to Jesus, because Jesus came back so that you So he could come to you. I need you to understand something. That's not the end of the story. See, I've read the back of the book. The story continues. And the story is continuing in your life. This whole book is all about one hero. All those people's names that I've mentioned, they're no more the hero of this book than you're the hero of your life. There's only one hero And I want you to tell you something. We've been reading the Bible through in our church this week. We've read every word of Scripture except these last two verses. I just want to read them to you from beginning to end. Here's what it says Revelation 22 20 and 21. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. Say that with me. Say, Come, Lord Jesus. Jesus. Say it again. Say, Come, Lord Jesus. Then the Bible ends with these words, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all, amen. Here's what I want you to know, one last last statement. We've been talking about the comeback of Jesus, the greatest comeback ever, but here's how the book ends. Jesus came back and he's coming again. He's coming again. The same Jesus who was born of a virgin, the same Jesus who lived that perfect, sinless life and died on a cross and was buried and rose again, he's coming back. And I don't know about you, but I want to be ready when Jesus comes for me. The Bible says that you and I were separated from God because of sin. That's not God's intent. He wants a relationship with you. We were created for relationship. It's not just something you did. Sin's who you are. We're born with that nature. But the Bible says that nature is going to keep us from God if it's not dealt with. We'll be miserable on this side of heaven and we'll die forever in a place called hell. But God doesn't want that. The Bible says that God so loved the world, that includes you, that he chose you, and he comes to you, and he wants to give you forgiveness in life. If you've never begun that relationship with Christ, if you've never bent your knee. I'm going to invite you to do that in a second. But if you do have that relationship with Christ, some of us need to commit to start living like we've seen the Lord, like we know he's alive, like we know he's come to us. So I'm going to pray. And and for some that are a part of this, this is going to change your life forever because you're going to begin a relationship with Jesus. But for others of you that already have that relationship with Christ, would you take this moment and just do some business with God? He changed you. He's your Redeemer. Determine to live like that makes a difference. Let's pray together.
1: You've been listening to The Barnabas Effect with Pastor Paul Purvis. The Barnabas Effect is here to provide listeners like you